to Down to a Fine Art Podcast. It's Izzy and Anna here again. Um, as you can hear, Izzy's chewing away in the background. We're, we're, quite, yep. we're quite buzzed today, I think. Um, we we are. We're excited about this episode. Although, to be honest, we also... Um, early disclaimer, although I have been told to disclaimer less, actually. So, ignore that. Um, but today's episode... <laughs> no disclaimer. <laughs> no disclaimer, but today's episode is not very planned. We've quite intentionally not um, spoken yeah. about the topic to each other before going into this because we wanted to have it all fresh on the podcast so today's topic is basically just our essay at the moment on our course (laughs) um so this is quite a niche um for quite a niche family specific second year fine art audience um (laughs) calling to all you guys out there you know know what we're on about (laughs) um but yeah so we'll we'll go through we'll explain the kind of brief that we have but then obviously Izzy and I are both writing completely different essays so we'll then go through and probably give a little overview of what we're both writing about and then we're just going to kind of quiz each other hopefully it's kind of basically a little study session that you're you're listening in on basically yeah yeah because I mean originally like when we first started this podcast the I mean we weren't even sure if we were going to release it because the idea was we'd make this podcast to kind of help us be able to kind of I guess like work through our own thoughts and Mm. ideas and like be able to talk about them so I feel like this is nice because it's going back to like our original intention for the podcast which was help us figure out what is going on (laughs) in our lives so yeah basically just record a conversation we were going to have anyway so we can listen to it back and try and understand what we were saying yeah basically (laughs) (laughs) it's the idea um so I don't know did you want to describe like the kind of brief for our essay and then we can go into the individual specifics of what we're both doing yeah all right yeah okay that sounds good so basically it's a critical studies essay um set by Simon Woo! Simon. <laughs> Woo! um and it's basically we need to get a piece of contemporary artwork and a piece of academic writing or text and we write a roughly 2000 word essay on how the two interact it's a bit vague it's a bit weird but it is also I think the idea is that it's going to allow for a lot of interesting developments and kind of connections and conversations to happen between two things that aren't actually related at all Mm. um so I think some people I imagine will be writing their essays about two things that have zero relation like absolutely nothing and that essay is going to be about how the fact that those two things don't fit together some people I think I can definitely say for myself I've gone for more of a uh, more of an approach where I think I'm using the text to kind of bring out sort of the concept within the image that's kind of what I've gone for Mm. but we'll see yeah that's an interesting one too because I thought that my text and my artwork were kind of pretty I was worried that they were almost too similar because they're both obviously within my area of interest which I guess is kind of natural mm. like you're going to obviously pick two things you're interested in but then last um the last seminar we had my tutor said that he was worried that they didn't link enough or that like they kind of they weren't closely enough um related and I was like oh okay that's an interesting like <laughs> flip I'm I was worried about the complete opposite but so in some ways it's quite reassuring that hopefully in the middle somewhere it's hopefully all right yeah but yeah it's an interesting brief I'm quite excited about it yeah. Although I haven't fin- finished writing it yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I haven't started, so. <laughs> <laughs> We're at different levels. <laughs> oh dear. So, yeah, did you want to, like, maybe introduce what your image and text is? I was about to jump in and be like, right, you tell me yours. Because I didn't want to go first, but no, it's fine. I can go first. 
Um, so I would say just for context, I'm kind of, I've written a first draft, but it really isn't the best first draft. Like it's going to need some heavy rewriting. So like, I'm kind of, I have a rough idea of what's the plan is. Um, but I'm still very much mid making everything's very up in the air and I'm waiting for it to land. So by the time this podcast goes out, to be honest, I probably hopefully will have completely finished the essay. So I'll probably listen to this back and be like, oh my God, what are you talking about? Everything's changed. (laughs) Um, but anyway, that's by the by. Um, so my actual uh, content of the essay. So I've got, I actually have the artwork is a piece I spoke about on episode two, I believe. It's by Katie Ooh. Patterson and it's called Earth, Moon, Earth. Um, and she uh, she took a piece of music. She took Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata and she used this uh, technology, which is called Earth, Moon, Earth Radio, I believe, or something along those lines, where... It takes, I think it's normally used for kind of military purposes or some, it's not normally used in this context anyway, but, um, and it, it bounces the signal off the moon. And then I guess normally it'd be used for communication to kind of bounce it to somewhere else, but she just bounced the signal back to herself, bounce this piece of music back to herself and the craters on the moon and just generally this, the, the long journey that the, the music goes over means that the resulting piece of music is kind of altered and it gets these... It's just got these like gaps in the music where, where they weren't before. Um, and because it's quite a well-known piece of music, it's quite noticeable where the gaps are. Like the, the music starts off pretty, uh, I don't know what the word is for non, it doesn't have gaps in. <laughs> it's just normal. Okay, nice. Start. Non-gappy. Yeah, exactly. And then the further through the piece of music you, you get, like the more gaps occur. And yeah, so she plays, the, the, the art piece itself is kind of, you go into the gallery and there's literally just um, a grand piano sat in this room um, playing this piece of music and there's nobody sat out the piano it's kind of playing itself and even to the extent that like the keys you can you can specifically see the keys like moving up and down as though there That's was somebody so sat cool. there playing it but there's there's not and she did also mention um because I haven't seen this piece myself but I've obviously like researched it and seen like videos of it and stuff and she said that she's positioned the piano in the gallery so that when you first walk in, you can't see if there's a person sat there or not playing it. So it's only like when you come around the corner that you see there's no one there and you're like, huh. Um, so yeah, that's the artwork. Quite a long-winded explanation, nice. but I feel like it does need <laughs> explanation. It does, yeah. Um, and then the text that I'm pairing it with, I'm sure I've also mentioned before because I do feel like I just don't shut up about this. Um, but it's a book called Vibrant Matter. It's by Jane Bennett. And it's, I haven't read the whole book, but I've read like a good chunk of it. I kind of picked out the, the most relevant chapters and it's kind of outlining this, I don't know if you'd call it a theory or a concept um, called vital materiality, um, which is basically, I'm really going to butcher this. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm kind of like just, um, now where do I start? Um, it's, uh, I guess you'd call it like a flattening of the kind of, we have this hierarchy, which we don't tend to think about, I guess. But with materials, it's kind of like we think of humans at the top and then maybe like anything mm-hmm. that's alive and like blessed with this kind of life force as like sort of maybe maybe not quite up as as much as humans, but, you know, as next on the, the ladder. And then kind of like anything that's lifeless and inert and just kind of matter is very like mm. is, is at the bottom. It's yeah. I think she calls it like... Um, at one point she calls it like the great chain of being and, uh, and like also Ooh. just kind of things like ontological hierarchies and things like that. She refers to it in many different ways and her whole idea is kind of flattening it or at least kind of like reconsidering it and like and really thinking about how just because 
just thinking about the world in a very material sense and not thinking that just because something isn't like alive in quotation marks it doesn't mean that it's kind of completely inert and like stationary and just yeah inanimate like I think an example she uses is I guess uh like landfill sites where you kind of literally just throw your waste away and you just kind of you just think you're just gonna bury it there and just forget about it and it'll be fine it will just kind of maybe like decompose and go away but actually it's kind of a very like vibrant kind of lively uh happening place where things are kind of chemical reactions are happening and there are things like oozing and kind of trickling i'm really waving my hands a lot around as i'm speaking which obviously isn't translating in the podcast but i'm sure izzy's really appreciating um, i'm loving it <laughs> so yeah there's this um yeah a very like vibrant lively materiality she's describing so yeah that's the two things i feel like i've already sp- like spent that. a lot of time describing those two things and then in connection like looking at one simon likes to say kind of like looking at the artwork through the lens of the text i'm trying to get at this idea of i feel like how the artwork when you're looking at it with this idea of like matter that can kind of be animate and like move itself and have like an agency is kind of like i think you can see that in the artwork like you've literally got a piano sat there playing itself and like yeah. you've got the moon like literally altering the material but the moon's not alive <laughs> but it is doing <laughs> things do you know what i mean like it's kind of thinking yeah. about this this artwork in that way um and then trying to do that for 2000 words and not just spend the 2000 words describing the two of them <laughs> <laughs> so that's a that's a summary of roughly that. roughly what i'm talking about i mean i personally think that's something very interesting thank you i hope you're gonna let me read your essay when you've oh, done this 100%. because i'm really excited yeah i'm i'm excited to read my own essay like i just want it finished at this point i want to see it yeah I see it done um yeah i i've written like i said i've written my first draft and it's kind of annoying because like i really liked my first draft in that it read i think it read quite well like i've been very descriptive and i've got like all of this fun language in there like about like, I've gone very overboard on... Oh, God. <laughs> Adjectives? <laughs> Is that the right word? Like, making... I'm just making things, like, vibrant and li- and lively and kind of just, like, a very... I've painted a very, like, busy picture. However, upon reading it back, I'm like, I haven't actually done very much kind of academic work. Like, I haven't covered much ground. I've just had fun describing things. So I'm trying to go back and, like, cut that down a bit and, like, make more points. But it's just annoying because I do actually quite like it. Yeah. Oh, that's difficult. And you know what? That's interesting because I feel like to an extent that kind of links to our previous episode where we were talking about like the restrictions of English, creative Mm. writing, science-based things and art. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that is frustrating because it sounds like what you've done is like almost creative writing. Not in the sense that like you're writing a story, but more in the sense that you've gone for like really almost like visually kind of like engaging yeah kind of description and just really like try to paint an image and it sounds awesome but also it kind of sucks when like what you need to do is an academic piece of writing (laughs) and you're just there like no exactly exactly yeah because I think the the feedback from my last essay and when I read my last essay back I can really see it like I kind of over planned and there were so many points I was trying to hit that it was it was almost a little bit like almost a bit list like like I was really it was quite dense I was trying to cover a lot of ground quite quickly and I wasn't like a se- selective enough with what I did and didn't cover. But I think I've almost gone too far the other way. And I've just been like, so like paragraph one will be covering this very rough point. But other than that, just see how you feel, like see how it goes as you're writing. And then obviously I've just been like, 
hey, this is how I feel, like all this flower flowery language and like yeah. Um so I think I need to rein it in and go somewhere down the middle. But that's okay. It's only a first draft. Yeah. So still got loads of loads of time to mm. play with it, I guess. But Yeah. How's yours coming along? Yeah, I mean Okay, so honestly, I'm going to apologise yet again because every <laughs> single episode I have banged out, banged on about like the same person. Mm. But weirdly enough, the artwork that I've gone for is a piece by Solomon Kammer. Woo. I know, crazy, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely crazy. But yeah, I mean, like you said earlier, it's natural that what you're interested in and what you're looking at plays into what you then have to write about. Mm. So, I mean, obviously... I, like I've said before, I'm very interested in her work. Um, I think it's really just quite engaging pieces. Um, and it actually was a good representation for what I wanted to talk about. So I had a bit of an idea going into this um, that I wanted to talk about. I mean, this is put very simply, but kind of, I guess, humanness um, and chronic illness in relation to something like the sublime or kind of really deep time. So I kind of had a rough idea, which is why I chose these specific pieces because they worked with what my idea was. So I've gone for a piece called, I think it's endometriosis. And then in brackets, I think it's called like deluge or something. Want to say it was maybe made in 2018. Really, really don't trust me on that. (laughs) Because I mean, it could come back and be like, yeah, it was made in 2001. And I'd be like, okay, yeah, no, that's what I meant, obviously. (laughs) Um, but either way, so obviously it's painting by Solomon Kammer. That's the artwork I've gone for. It's again like quite typical of her work. It's an oil painting. Um, it's a self-portrait, kind of. Um, it's almost taken from like aerial view. So she's kind of lying naked in a bed or kind of on fabric. I think it's a bed. And yeah, it's quite kind of typical of her work. Uh, the text that I've gone for. Again, another apology because I keep banging on about this piece of text as well, but I don't care because I love it. <laughs> um, so I think it was in the first or second episode, Anna mentioned a book called The Oldest Living Things in the World by Rachel Sussman. When we recorded this, uh, when we recorded, I think it was the second episode, um, mm. and you first mentioned it to me, I was very excited by the idea of it. So Anna lent it to me. Um, and I've slowly been making my way through it and it has become my favourite thing in the world. I won't shut up about it. Every studio session, every research seminar, I rock up with the book and I'm like, yes, guys, look at this. Oh, I just so enjoy your love for this book. I'm just sat here like beaming, like screaming. Genuine love. <laughs> I mean, genuine love for this book. Oh. But um, yeah, so obviously I haven't read the whole book, but I've read maybe about half. So at the start, there's a couple of essays. Um, I think one's by Carl Zimmer and the other one is Hans Ulrich Obrist or something like that. Who knows? <laughs> um, so yeah, there's a couple of essays at the beginning. Then I think there's like an introduction and a preface. And then the main body of text is obviously by Sussman. So basically in the book, uh, Sussman documents the oldest living organisms um, kind of all around the world. So everything in the book is older than 2,000 years old, which is quite impressive. (laughs) Yeah, so that's kind of what the book is. Um, Admittedly, I'm a little stressed because I haven't actually started the essay yet, but there's plenty of time. At least that's what I'm telling myself. (laughs) Um, So I don't really have the same kind of plan that Anna does, but I have a bit of paper with quotes and notes on the quotes. Um, for ideas on how the text kind of relates to the image. So 
just to kind of see you know what ones maybe are prompting a bit more thought what ones i think are, would be interesting to talk about um so yeah that's basically where i am at the moment which is not far mm. but that's okay i mean yeah like i said i've just weirdly run with the essay i'm not quite sure what's gone on and also we found out yesterday that we've got more extended deadlines so yeah. honestly no need to panic um i completely get it like when somebody talks about having completely finished the essay while you haven't started like it is a stress inducing moment but yeah honestly you've got so much time no need to panic and also that just sounds absolutely fab and can i also please read your essay (laughs) when it's done because honestly like i really liked your description of i wrote down the word humanness because i vibed with that i feel like we have this quite a lot where like our practices are by no means like the same mm. and like our interests but we do have big old overlaps yes. like deep time as well it's a interest of mine yeah i'm really um, getting onto your territory here yeah get off it jesus i know and i've like stolen <laughs> your book to your do book. it as well like. <laughs> <laughs> um no it's okay i love it um and yeah i'm very excited to read about humanness because that's a, i feel like that was a word i ended up using lots like human and non-human like i was using it in the sense of like material but then obviously mm. you're using it in a bit more of a uh i don't know what the word is a more human way yeah that's a weird thing to no, say no i get what you mean like, like i'm kind of quite interested in what not like physically what makes up a human but kind of what makes up your humanness i guess like what makes you mm. a human rather than i don't know this is just a mess in there but you get what i mean like yeah, there's yeah, a slight do, difference really between like the physicality of what like scientifically makes you human and this idea of humanness like yeah. almost kind of who you are how you perceive things what affects you um so that's kind of more of what i wanted to look look at and i guess like this idea of chronic illness plays into that a huge amount because i mean if you are chronically ill your perception of yourself changes your perception of others change kind of i feel like um Previously, I've been writing um, an essay on Frida Kahlo, who obviously went through quite a lot in her life and died quite young. Um, And she was very concerned with her own mortality because she had had so many instances where this idea of like pain and death were kind of so prominent in her life. So I think there's like a really interesting thing for me there to kind of almost like pull out a bit and like see what comes out. and I think mm. this book is going to be a really good one to help with that because it's, I don't know, I'm not sure. We'll just have to see. It's a really nice book in terms of like, it's from what I remember, it's got several different essays. Like, yeah. by, is it by different people? Yeah. Or like, yeah. there's one essay at the start and then the book's by her. Yeah, um. I think, so there's two essays at the beginning by, one's by Carl Zimmer and the other one is Hans Ulrich Obrist. Um, and then the Ooh, rest is name. Rachel Sussman, who is obviously the right, person yeah. who wrote it. Yeah, and it's and I think it's nice because sometimes when you're reading like essays and kind of quite academic things, it's a bit, um, it's just not the most visually engaging. Mm. Um, whereas like that book is so lovely because it's like presented gorgeously with all these like Beautiful. lovely, lovely photos. Yeah. And you can literally kind of hold it and like just feel the book. It's a very like all encompassing experience. It just makes it a lot easier to kind of pay attention to. Yeah. Um, and it's not like obviously it's a book so it's long but the two essays are, are kind of you know they're essays like they're not I don't I, again don't remember exactly how long they are but they're, they're kind of readable length so you yeah, can go very, over them a couple of times yeah. which I did that's something I found quite difficult with because my 
text that I've chosen is essentially a whole book. Like, I kind of read it once and pulled out quotes, but, like, I'm probably not going to have time <laughs> to completely reread everything. Like, I can go back and read the bits of surrounding the text, the quotes that I've pulled out, but, like, I can't reread everything. Yeah. And obviously you can't reread the whole book, but, like, there's potential that you could reread, like, an essay yeah. or something. Yeah, it's, I think it's quite... Um sort of manageable piece of text um which is good for mm. me because I struggle with writing and it takes me forever so I need something that's quite mm-hmm. succinct and I can get through easily yeah. exactly yeah um I also think it's interesting how like this just to go back to this like humanness that you're looking at I think what we're both looking at complements each other quite well and that like I'm looking at this materialness without a humanness and then you're looking at that like humanness <laughs> how many times right drinking game for this episode take a shot every time <laughs> i say humanness <laughs> which i don't even know is a word but anyway um yeah like it's a kind of like, i really we should do a video because i'm doing so many hand movements <laughs> to describe what i mean <laughs> this is not going across i'm like like a kind of it's two parts of a whole maybe or like i don't know that there's i spoke about this in my last seminar as well in that Someone in my group mentioned a kind of, I can't remember the context that they were using it in, like a sort of unknowableness Ooh. to sort of like life. And again, it was covered in Vibrant Matter where she went through a whole load of different philosophers that were trying to work out, they were trying to like wrap their heads around the fact that we live on an entirely like material world and that like we are literally made of materials. There is no like kind of, but like, where does then this like life force come from? Like it is literally, it's a result of kind of material interactions. Like your brain is firing with little electrical things and little chemicals. Like it's all material. And yet something sets, there's just some, there's just some little unknowableness and Mm. some little like unpredictableness that kind of, I don't know. There's, there's, um, I'm obviously once again, I'm really butchering this. Like (laughs) there's so many philosophers that have like spent their lives looking at this. And I'm just like, yeah, let me just quickly cover this in five minutes. (laughs) Um, and they all have they all have different names for this kind of yeah this like little force that can animate materials and that can maybe possibly kind of cause life like it's a whole it's a whole rabbit hole you can fall down big old thing yeah particularly because that's very much like I guess it it does very much fall into the category of I'd say also like religion and soul and Mm. whether there's like an afterlife, what happens to your soul or like whatever it is that makes you uniquely you and like you have this kind of life force. I feel like, yeah, that's a big old thing that you could go down really. I I mean, you could kind of go down that and never come out of it again, to be honest. So (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I think that's a good point with like religion and everything because it is literally kind of just several different takes on this one kind of problem and that like, maybe perhaps like religious people or spiritual people would say kind of it's I guess what we're kind of talking about is like a soul in that in that in that framework but then obviously these philosophers on even this some of them were scientists and not wanting to use this term of a soul because it's a bit too kind of like I hand wavy in you know in their in their yeah it has a lot so they're trying to kind of it has a lot of other connotations I feel like if you use particular words it comes with a set of preconceived I guess thoughts like attached to it exactly yeah 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 and so these like scientists are trying to make essentially what is a very very similar idea but they're trying to distinguish themselves from scientifically describing a soul yeah. so they're trying to they're giving it a different name and they're like defining it slightly differently but yeah it's all people just coming up this same 
unknowableness from a different angle it's it's an interesting yeah, field i really I like that i also love the fact that i'm not being funny but when we started this episode i did not think that this is what we'd be talking about and yet here we are <laughs> <laughs> here we are not i mean yeah i doubt either one of us will no offense to us but we'll be able to quite like <laughs> izzy just took a big swig of water <laughs> um you okay <laughs> I'll just keep talking and let you drink, hopefully, in your own time. Um, okay, you made it. Well I'm good. Um, <laughs> no offence uh, to us, but... <laughs> no, oh yeah, no offence to us. But I doubt we're going to like be able to sort of solve it. Okay, yeah, that's <laughs> a very valid point. <laughs> issue in, in our 2,000 word essays. But, you know, it's a nice thing to think about, especially what we've we've got dissertation proposals coming up. So, like, I'm kind of writing the essay first to see if I can to see if there's anything that crops up that I'm like, oh, now that would make a good dissertation. Yeah, you know I think mean? I'm having a similar approach. Like, I'm kind of not... I'm not quite sure where my dissertation proposal is going to sit within my interests, so I want to kind of do this essay, kind of get that done, so I can kind of lock it away and be like, okay, now let me look at what I have and let me see what I can do that's new. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a... I really don't know where that's going to go. I'm just going to try to concentrate on one thing at a time and hope it will sort itself out. <laughs> <laughs> panic <laughs> just between us um but yeah anyway getting this episode back on track um, absolutely <laughs> did we want to like uh i don't know if you've because you said you pulled out some quotes like i don't know if we want to go through quotes specifically because i think we've given quite like a general overview of what we're talking about yeah. like in our own words but maybe because you know the whole point of this essay is to look at specific quotes we could yeah. i think you've got a few that are your favorites yeah that i think that'd about. be good because then I mean, the idea is that I've kind of, like I said, I think I've got seven sort of quotes with attached notes underneath. Um, mm. And we don't need to do that many. I think like three, four, four. Is that what Simon said? Like roughly four kind of oh, points? Oh, yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant right now. Yeah, um, I think I have four. Yeah, yeah four. so obviously I need to kind of decide which ones have the biggest amount of potential to kind of expand and write about. So I'm definitely up for kind of going into specifics a little bit more and seeing seeing what happens and obviously you've got your first draft so I imagine you kind of have your you have a better idea of what it is you're going to be writing about yes I mean yes I probably don't have as much of an idea as I should do but yeah I yeah I guess I know the quotes I'm using and in what order I think I think that won't change (laughs) Maybe. I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's interesting because yeah, cause you've got seven and you're going to need like one to cut that down. It's a shame that like we don't want to make this like a five hour podcast because yeah. I don't think we'd have time to go for all seven unless you literally want to come, like read them all seven out. I don't know how helpful that would be. Would that I mean, be quite... I'm quite easy doing Brief. whatever. I can definitely choose a couple and just focus on those. Or, I mean, it's not like I have huge amounts of notes on each. I could probably do, like, a one-sentence summary for each quote, if that makes sense. Mm, what would be more helpful? I mean, if you've got a couple that you're, like, humming and ahhing between, or, like, you're not so sure about, you could do those. Or if you have a couple that you, like, absolutely do want to do, that could also be helpful. I mean, there's definitely a couple that I know I want to include. Um, I could start with those, right. and then yeah. maybe... Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, just see see how it goes see how it goes yeah nice. like that's become okay. our attitude to a lot of this like yeah we'll just we'll just see how it goes <laughs> writing an essay we'll see it's how it goes do, really. dissertation see how yeah. it goes life yeah. see how it goes exactly it's a good phrase it is. okay shall i go for it 
Yeah, fire away. Um, so one of the quotes I went for, let me get my little notebook out. Um, and I definitely, Ooh. I definitely do want to use this one because originally I had wanted to do my essay on the sublime, whereas now I'm kind of doing it on something a little bit different and I wanted to kind of invoke this idea of the sublime without specifically Ooh, using that. it. So I know I, that I want to do this one. Um, so let's see if I can find it. Okay, so it's basically, this is like a very brief kind of part of the quote. There's like a paragraph um, that this quote is from, mm. but I can explain it. Um, so she kind of says like, um, it's a battle to stay in deep time. We're constantly brought back to the surface, engaged in our thoughts and needs of the moment. So what she says kind of around this is it is basically about deep time and this idea of like being exposed to these really old kind of trees and organisms. It really does put in perspective, I guess, how fleeting time is to humans. So I that's kind of what she's on about very generally. Mm. And I think the reason I wanted to look at that is because for me, I think that's a great introduction for the sublime. Um, mm -hmm. yes. so the sublime for me this is the particular one that there are a lot of different definitions of the sublime but I was looking more at the sublime that makes you feel so tiny like you're just so in awe of this incredible thing that you just f can't fully comprehend and it makes you realise like I guess how human you are and how vulnerable you are and I, you might already be able to see where I'm going with this but obviously in relation to the artwork by Solomon Camel, which is about endometriosis, I really wanted to explore this relationship between um, the sublime and kind of this exposure to deep time, engaging us with our own mortality, like with this feeling of just immense vulnerability and being like, oh my God, what is it that I'm looking at this? I can't wrap my brain around this. Because I do think there's an interesting point there talking about that in relation to chronic illness particularly something like endometriosis where there's it's imp nearly impossible to get a diagnosis quickly it's so painful it can genuinely change the course of your life um and I think it's yeah it's just an interesting I feel like there's so many different ways to discuss that point and kind of come from it at different angles but yeah, I think actually this is something that I did find a bit weird when I was writing my little plan and getting the quotes and kind of thinking about it. I found it so easy and it really made me think, I was like, oh my God, am I, am I doing this like really wrong? Like really wrong? <laughs> Why is it this easy? Um, but I think that actually I've just chosen text that really, in, at least in my eyes, really relates to the image I'm looking at. And mm -hmm. I feel like they can not necessarily... I guess maybe change how one looks at the other, but I think it's more that bringing oh, yeah. them together can spark some really interesting thought process. So that's kind of what I've gone for on that one. So that's a quote I definitely want to use. That's really nice. I love that quote because it's kind of like, it is hard to kind of get your head into the deep time mindset and like stay there because yeah. like you really don't need to. In fact, it's kind of probably, if anything, quite counterproductive to your yeah. general state. If you were just constantly be like, well, what's the point? Like, in three million years, yeah. I'll, be, I'll be long gone. Like, it's, it's yeah, it's an odd one. Um, but I really like how you're linking it to stuff like chronic illness and endometriosis because it's, 
a very specific thing that you're looking at mm. in relation to because I think when I've looked at it before I've looked at it in this annoyingly kind of abstract way where it really kind of it can like get away from you you can just be thinking about like deep time this kind of phrase and this concept but it's like in what way like why like why am I thinking about yeah. that like I'm not relating it to anything whereas like this is a really nice anchor point yeah that you're looking at it in relation to something that is very real and very like now yeah. and kind of in the moment especially for you like very personal mm. it's like bring yeah which i which is to be fair what she's doing with her book she's kind of looking at deep time in relation to things and making it kind of more personable and more person personal, not personal. <laughs> um and kind of like i guess relatable maybe i guess maybe, yeah, relatable. maybe relatable. Like you're like oh this thing is living and i am living but this is crossing over into deep time and I probably am not like it's that kind of just make a little Venn diagram yeah <laughs> of deep time and life and yeah she's looking at things in the middle yeah yeah um yeah so I think that's really it's a very interesting combination of things you're looking at thank the you big thank you I like I like yeah, the vote of confidence good, like I said I was a bit good introductory I was quote. a bit unsure because I wasn't I was finding it very easy to make these connections and I kind of thought oh god I've really gone for something I think that's, that's a good sign but yeah I think actually you're right. Like, I feel like it does, it acts as a good anchor. Like, maybe that's why I'm finding it easy to get those quotes yeah. in relation to the image. Because I've got a good, like, very solid, like, this is exactly what I'm kind of looking at. Mm. Yeah. And I really don't think you can do this brief that wrong. Because, like, like Simon said, like, if the, if you conclude that your two things actually don't go together at all, like, that's completely valid. You just, you're just exploring mm. it. And then you're seeing what happens. Like, even if you were to look at these two things and not be able to draw conclusions or like draw anything from them, that's fine. So the fact that you you are absolutely great. And I think you're probably finding it easy or easier than normal because like you're interested in it. That's, yeah. <laughs> like it's really fascinating and you're like, oh my God, I want to read this rather than being like, oh God. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about again last episode with like at school it's very prescriptive yeah. and that like, you've been given a text that you have to read and if you don't want to read it, then it's going to be kind of horrendous. Whereas because you want to read it, yeah, it's like engaging you. Honestly, that's so, a very good point. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Did you want to maybe go for one of yours? Oh yeah, sure I can do. Um, right, let me just find my texts so yeah like i said i've got four um oh shit i think i just deleted an email okay i don't know how much to do that um right uh so let me think um sorry this is an annoying thinking sound it's like a buffering sound i'll just go with the first one um so just i'm just going to give you a bit of context as to like how I am using it in the essay. So this first one, at the moment anyway, in, in my in the format of my essay, I've got the description of the artwork as kind of like an introductory paragraph, like not very many words, but just bish, rash, bosh, here's a description. And then I'm not introducing the quote. I'm literally just whacking the quote straight in <laughs> because I'm hoping... Maybe I should maybe I should read the quote okay. and then tell you what, what I'm hoping. Okay, yeah. Yeah, do that. <laughs> so yeah, picture this. You've got the description of the artwork. So cast your mind back to the start of this podcast episode when I described, like, you know, Katie Patterson is sending a piece of music to the moon. And I just it's very much just a description. And then I go straight in with this quote, which I will read for you now. <laughs> Are you sitting comfortably? <laughs> um Right, lovely. Okay. <clears throat> so 
Um, as I encountered these items, they shimmied back and forth between debris and thing, between, on the one hand, stuff to ignore except insofar as it betokened human activity, and, on the other hand, stuff that commanded tension in its own right, as existence in excess of their association with human meanings, habits, or projects. In the second moment, stuff exhibited its thing power. It issued a call, even if I did not quite understand what it was saying. Mm-hmm. I feel like I go very, like, radio host <laughs> when I read a quote out. Like, I'm just not quite sure how to articulate it. But anyway, so yeah, it was... Um, so I go straight in with that quote, and I'm hoping... I think it's probably... A, it, it's a little bit harder to pick up when you're just having a quote read at you and you can't see it. But, like, it's quite a descriptive quote. Like, it's not particularly introducing many like ideas or anything but i'm using it as the first one because i think it sounds like it could very very easily be talking directly about the artwork so i'm trying to use it as like an in like she's literally like um hang on let me go back to the quote she's literally saying like as i encountered these items Mm. you know like and and it is quite literally like the artwork is an assemblage of items like it's a piano it's a radio it's the moon like it's an assemblage of items And then she says they shimmied back and forth between debris and thing, and it and it I'm I'm trying to like get that there's that same vibe like it's a completely random assortment of items like if somebody was to write them in a list and just hand it to you be like what do these <laughs> have in common like they don't have anything in common and yet she's kind of brought them together and they've become this kind of like thing, and then yeah it kind of goes on to be like it commands attention in its own right which I'm trying to be like the piano literally does like. It's playing itself, you know? You think it's a human and then you walk around the corner and you're like, oh no, it's literally just a piano. Like, it's commanding attention. And then, what does it say? Like, it's exhibiting a thing power. Oh, and then it literally says it issued a call. And I'm like, well, yeah, this is quite literally a piano sat there issuing a call. Like, it's very... And then, yeah, it issued a call, even if I did not quite understand what it was saying. So it's kind of like, it is that experience that you go through. You find this piano and it's playing some music that you kind of know but like also you kind of don't you just don't really know what's happening like it just feels very applicable this quote to this piece so I'm trying to use it as an in to kind of yeah description quote and then I've got my introductory paragraph like opening it up and then I will run from there um and yeah I was gonna say this idea of a thing power I'm gonna try and use that to like explain Jane Bennett's like vital materiality that I was talking about earlier because I one problem with my first draft is that I didn't I realized it never actually really explained that as a concept Ah. in my essay like I got to the second paragraph and it is literally just a sub note I'm like at this point I should just mention (laughs) what vital materiality is and I was like okay that doesn't seem a great way so I'm gonna try and use because my first paragraph is really very descriptive so I'm gonna try and like I was saying cut down the description and then use like pick up on this thing power mm. in quotation marks a bit more and like use that to explain her concept that I can then use going through the essay. That makes sense. Because it was a bit like weirdly skimmed over. Yeah. Um, kind of like setting so, yeah. the groundwork at the beginning. So going forward, everyone exactly. is on the same page. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like building the foundations at the start rather than like halfway up. The nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's my that. quote. <laughs> it was a lot longer than yours. I, this is another interesting thing. Like there's no real... No one's specified how long our quotes should be. Yeah, I think my issue is that I'm using quotes that I had started to, like, pick up on before we were even, like, given this. Ah, So I literally just have, like, a notebook that I write down 
very, very short, like halfway through a sentence, I will start the quote. Um, very, very short <laughs> quotes. And then underneath just like bullet points on what my thought was in response to that. But it just, it's actually worked quite well because it means that I can kind of almost like navigate the text quicker because I've already got noted exactly what interested me and what my response was. Mm. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just, I can get the bigger quotes they're just hidden in the book somewhere and that's a lot of effort you know <laughs> yeah yeah that makes sense I think I've done a similar thing like I've got page numbers written down so if I need some context I can just go back yeah see I was not that smart I did not write page numbers I just wrote <laughs> honestly I think if there was like one piece of advice I would give to like me at the start of first year it'd be like write down page numbers because like when you come to reference and you're like oh no like it literally could be anywhere in this book like it's just one thing you don't think of like you think oh I know the yeah. book and I know, yeah, I remember. <laughs> yes, I remember it's an entire book. It's all right. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, so. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if we wanted to do like one more quote Yeah, that sounds or... good. Yeah, I might go yeah. for one that maybe right. I could do with some thoughts on because maybe, Ooh. you know, maybe I'm not too sure if I'm going to go for it or not. Okay. Um, okay. Let me see. <laughs> I hear a dog yeah. bark. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> she as he has a new dog. Yeah, she she is loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no other description for that. She is a loud dog. <laughs> <laughs> but um you'll be pleased to know that she does look like Scooby Doo, so you know. Oh. And she's called Scooby Doo. She is right? called Scooby Doo. Or Scooby. I mean or was it just Scooby? She actually doesn't have an official name. She's got about five names at the oh. moment, but one of them is Scooby Doo, so we're gonna go with that. That's probably why she's so loud. She's like, what am I calling? I need an identity. I actually love that. Um, okay, I think I might go for this one. Right. So again, this is... Why is that so brief, actually? Let me see if I can find a, a bit more. I'm loving this real-time like paper rustling that we're getting over the, yeah. the recording. It really adds to the experience. <laughs> it's massive. Oh, God. Um... Okay, turns out I actually don't have more of the quote, so we're still going to go with it. Okay, that's fine. So that's basically, fine. the quote is... Um, oh God, I'm trying to think of what this is in relation to. She basically says, the stark fact of nature's indifference to human being itself. I think she was kind of talking about how... Yeah, just, I mean, nature is not this conscious thing that can be caring and loving. Like, it's nature. It can. It's very, very brutal. There's And there's kind of not... I feel like human beings, I mean, I, I don't know why I say it. I feel like it's been proven that human beings do this thing where we apply humanness to things that are not human. So oh, yes. even in that. animals, like even my dog, like I look at her and I'm like, oh yeah, like you can understand me. Like, oh, you're smiling. That's so cute. I mean, I would actually just like to say that like, I'm aware that when a dog smiles, that's not cute. They're not happy. So just saying that, but do you know what I mean? I feel like I said again, feel like it's not even I feel like I know that humans do this. We apply Say with confidence. <laughs> yeah, we we definitely apply kind of human behaviors and thoughts to things that are not human. And I think nature is one of them. We th see it as something that is giving and it supports us and it provides life and it's so beautiful. And it's all of those things. It's fantastic. It's also bloody terrifying. Like it's mm. a very ruthless thing and it is because it's not human, it's indifferent. Like, it, I really it doesn't like that have word. that kind of consciousness that we think it does. So yeah. that's kind of the quote, and that's kind of what she was talking about. And yeah. 
the points that I kind of made were that it paints in kind of relation to the image that I'm using. It paints the image in a really ruthless light. Because if you think about it, our body is supposed to, that's in quotation marks, supposed to work a particular <laughs> way. Um, I mean, so many people have disabilities, have illness, have long-term health conditions. Um, it's very complex, like things malfunction in your body. But it is, it's a genetic makeup. It's something that we have evolved to kind of look like and work in a particular way. And I think applying that quote to that image of a disease, it's really ruthless. Like it really does highlight how badly your body can malfunction and just how mm -hmm. indifferent, how indifferent nature is to that. Like it, it just does not care, obviously, because mm. it isn't conscious. Um, and I kind of wanted, I thought about maybe talking about how maybe applying that quote and that thought to this image could maybe help the viewer understand the kind of quite complex feelings chronically ill people have towards their body and the relationship they have with their body. Because I mean, hmm. I mean, particularly, obviously, from like a personal point of view, I became chronically ill really recently. It's not something I ever thought I'd actually have to go through. And it's definitely changed the relationship I have with myself, because on one hand, there's a lot of almost hate, like I, you kind of can't move past the fact that like your body has betrayed you. Like this is something that should work in a particular way. It's malfunctioned, gone wrong, and is now causing you like a lifetime of pain, medication, um, things that like you just won't ever be able to do properly. And that's really hard to come to terms with. So yeah, I think I wanted to kind of explore this almost love-hate relationship you kind of get with your body if you're chronically ill. And I think that quote is a really good place to start because it does just highlight the fact that, like I said, I mean, nature is indifferent. It does not care. And mm. I think that can be quite ruthless. And I think that highlights that point quite well. So that's sort of what I was going for. But mm -hmm. if you have any thoughts, that would also be cool. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I really like the word indifferent. Like it's, it just kind of, it really, it's one of those words. It just really hits the nail on the head. Yeah. You're like, yeah, that's exactly it. It's indifferent. Like it doesn't, doesn't care. It doesn't actively not care. It's literally just different. Yeah. Like it's just, we're just, we're here. It's there. And yeah, I think, I don't know, like not to make it about me. Absolutely go <laughs> for this it. This really links, this really links to what like I wrote about or have been writing about in my second paragraph very specifically. Don't know why you need to know it's my second paragraph, but there we are. Um, and I've been, I guess I was particularly writing about it in terms of like this word anthropomorphism, which is literally what you were just saying, like where you apply human characteristics to non-human things. Um, and like I was assessing like in this whole search for a vital materiality, like is anthropomorphism helpful or not? Um, and like Jane Bennett in her wisdom, she kind of says like, yeah, maybe it's not the end goal, but like it's a good step on the way because at the moment we're very very much functioning in this like is it anthropocentrism An yeah anthropocentrism nice that sounds wrong <laughs> um as i'm saying it it's one of those words like i've just seen written down and i'm like am i saying that right but anyway <laughs> the, the idea that humans are like the center of everything the top of the hierarchy like we are the most important and it's kind of like anthropomorphic oh i need to stop trying to say that so quickly <laughs> anthropomorphism <laughs> i need to just stop saying it um it's kind of like a step away from that. Like we're starting to see human traits in like non-human things, which is like 
may well not be what's happening. Like that's that's not really what's happening, but it's a step towards us seeing like value in other things and like Ooh. not just privileging ourselves. We're kind of like raising other beings on this hierarchy up to us. Even if we really should be lowering ourselves, at least we're trying to level the playing field a bit. It's kind of what she's saying. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And and I'm trying to put that like in the situa in the kind of context of your essay particularly because I guess you're saying that like it's in a context of like nature and kind of chronic illness it's showing the like the ruthlessness of it <laughs> that was a hard <laughs> word to say um oh, the end of this point is really getting away from me like it's in my mind and I'm just like trying to see you like chasing it down just, like come like here. just ah. <laughs> um you might have to recap what you closed your point with and then I can tell you oh what God. I was going to close my point um with. Oh, no, sorry. Say what you were going to say. I was just going to say, to be honest, like, even that... Also, thank you for providing the word anthropomorphism. Like, I could not quite grasp that while I was saying what I was saying. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I do actually find that really interesting. I feel like there's definitely something there for me to think about, about this idea of, like, us assigning human traits to things that aren't human in a way to kind of almost, like, gain empathy, maybe? Like, trying to kind of understand. And, honestly, I think that links right back because... Obviously, particularly endometriosis, it's a condition that affects people with the uterus. And mm. there's so much kind of just not being believed and not being taken seriously and medical misinformation. Um, and I do think that's quite interesting, particularly because obviously people with the uterus have a period and there's such this culture around like, oh, it's just a period, like, suck it up. Like, you're not in pain. Like, grow a pair. Like, there's a real kind of almost like okay I'm fully gonna say it there's a hatred toward people who have periods and like go through menstruation Mm. and that there fully is um there's a lot of stigmas around it and I think this idea of almost like trying to like in a weird kind of twisted way but like assigning empathy and trying to kind of I mean admittedly going about it in kind of a weird way like trying to see human humanness and things that aren't human but it is the start of trying to understand something that you can't currently understand. And with understanding comes empathy. So I do think that links really well. There's definitely something that I might might go away and have a little think about, you know, maybe maybe mm-hmm, a little bit mm-hmm. of reading, a little bit of researching. But I do like that yeah. point. That's actually helped quite a lot. Thank you. Nice. I'm glad. I mean, yeah, it's like you were saying. I just think, again, it's like I said before, I like how you're making it quite specific to this like very lived human um experience yeah. like this kind of ab- not abstract concept but quite like broad um potentially abstract concept you're like tying it down and like just yeah i think just thinking about the physicalness of people's bodies going wrong mm. or like you know kind of in quotation marks going wrong but you know like not not working as they're supposed yeah. to again quotation marks like being a very physical representation of this indifference of nature and like and this, uh, to kind of tie it to the whole Jane Bennett hierarchy thing, like, literally showing that, I don't know, I feel, it feels a bit savage to say, but, like, just because you're human, it doesn't mean that material and nature and the world is just going to, like, bend to your wishes. Yeah. Like, you're still susceptible to the same, like, material changes. Because it is literally, that is what it is. Like, it's a material sort of, like, malfunction or, like, yeah. something not going the way that, your human mind says it should go. Yeah. And obviously that's not, I don't know, it's so, it's a really, I want to be really careful with what I say because I don't have endometriosis. <laughs> and I don't, I don't want to be like inferring that like, 
Like you're saying, they're like, these things happen and we just have to learn that they happen and just suck it up. Because that's obviously not what I'm saying. But just from a very like, oh, I don't know if analytical is the right word, but just yeah. just looking at it in this, con- on, in this context, it is just interesting that it is just a very, not just, it's a material kind of thing that happens. Yeah. And it doesn't fit with your human way of how you think things should work yeah ah, no i like quite, that i feel like i'm sounding i'm saying it in a really like harsh way no but i do actually I really like obviously that, don't though. mean <laughs> i think it's it does make a really good point because again like you know when i said that i kind of wanted to discuss this relationship that chronically ill people have with their bodies and how it can be really mm. complex that's literally that right there is it plays into this complexity of like you know that I mean, I, I don't know the percentages, but so many people have some form of disability, mental health issue, like long term condition, like so many people. Mm. And like, yeah, it's not technically like normal in quotations, but it happens to a lot of people. And it's trying to like almost like work through those things in your head that, almost, yeah, they're like battling with each other. It's kind of going like, oh, yeah, but it's broken. Like, you know, it shouldn't work like that. But then actually like that's mm. a that is something that's quite human we've assigned to it because nature does malfunction because nature isn't this perfect thing. It's not human, Mm. it doesn't have a conscious, it's just something that makes life. Like, obviously it's going to go wrong, so it's... Yeah, I think that is really interesting. I feel like there is a lot to talk about. I'm definitely going to be using that quote now, by the way. I think this is great. (laughs) Oh, okay, great. Okay, cool. Um, we should do an extended episode of the podcast where we just talk about this this in detail about every single yes. quote. Um, <laughs> like a sort of day, a day-long episode. Um, but yeah, I am aware that we've been co- recording a long time. Yeah. Um, I don't know, obviously I know we said we'd do one more quote each um, and I haven't done one yeah, yet. Yeah, I was going to say, did you want to do one and then we could kind of wrap it up? Yeah, I'm happy to do, because I was, I was thinking of doing one, uh, a quote that like just summarises... This, the idea of vital materiality, but... Oh, no, sorry, a vital materialism. Same difference. Um, but I've kind of already explained that, and I think, because we were just talking about anthrop- anthropomorphism, <laughs> one day I'll say that without falling over it, um, I do have a quote that kind of does summarise that, which I think would probably fit quite well at this point. Okay. And, like, I'm happy to just kind of say that quote as a summary kind of just leave it there for the episode like i don't have a huge amount more to say about it i think it would quite nicely like tie a bow on the end of it just because i'm aware that we've been recording for like over an hour now i mean i'll have edited it down okay yeah i mean it's completely up to you i mean i'm i'm more than happy to to do that because i know obviously i like yeah i'm i my quotes have kind of settled into a plan at this point Mm if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's not like I... I kind of... If anything, I don't want to change my mind. <laughs> I'd kind of hate it if you're like, oh, now this is a good point. Let's move it around like this. And I'm like, oh, no, you're right. <laughs> and I'll just live in ignorance of like, I'll just leave my plan as it is. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Thank so, you yeah. for it. All right, okay. Get ready for my radio presenter okay, voice again. Because it's another similarly long quote. Oh, delightful. And also there's some long words in here that I'm going to fall over. <clears throat> so just bear with me. <laughs> Looking forward right. to this already. <laughs> So it it goes, a touch of anthropomorphism then can catalyse a sensibility that finds a world filled not with ontologically distinct categories of beings, brackets, subjects and objects, but with a variously composed, sorry, but with variously composed materialities that form confederations in revealing similarities across categorical divides and lighting up structural parallels between material forms in nature, in quotation marks, and those in culture, in quotation marks, 
Anthropomorphism can reveal isomorphisms. And I think isomorphisms just means sort of things that are similar. <laughs> I know iso means the same. So just, I know that was a very wordy quote. So I guess I will just go through that and like summarize the quote. I think it's interesting that it has that bit where it says it finds a world filled not with ontologically distinct categories of beings, brackets, subjects and objects. Because I was thinking when we were talking, it's a bit like the difference between being subjective and being objective. Like when we're talking about the literal physical, your body going wrong, that's a very objective way of looking at it in a way. I mean, maybe not wrong, but you know, we're looking at like the physical changes mm. that happen in somebody with chronic illness is a very objective way of looking at it. And then a subjective way, I guess would be kind of more of like, oh, you have, oh, I'm just so, I really don't want to be like, it's a subjective way of looking at it that you're chronically ill because obviously you are chronically <laughs> ill and there's not, like, I don't want to be like, that's just one way of looking at it. Um, but it is, it's kind of, yeah, it's coming back to this whole distinction between subjects and objects um and like i like the idea of finding a world like like she said finding a world that isn't the world isn't just full of these things over here have life and are therefore important and are kind of moving about and then these things over here in this corner are dead and or not even dead are just inert and just sit there and wait for things to happen to them by the corner of people with life do you know what yeah. i mean like you're not drawing this line you're think you're thinking like Oh, these people have life, but oh, look at that little rock. Doesn't that look cute? <laughs> Maybe that has some fun. Like, you know, you're just kind of imposing human characteristics on it. Yeah. Which obviously don't exist, but it's it's starting to blur those two boundaries and blur the, like, the two corners. Yeah. I think it's just about, made. like, recognising the complexity of everything. Like, nothing is going mm-hmm. to be as simple as that sits in that corner, that sits in that corner, the two are separate. This corner has these values, that one has those values. Like, yeah. it's never going to work. Because it's bizarre, it's that, it's that whole cliche, not a cliche, but it's somewhat overused of, like, you know, the, the, the elements that we're made up of were made in a, were, like, forged in a star. It's kind of thinking about the whole idea of, like, materials are very much moving through the world. Like, just because a certain lump of calcium is in me now doesn't mean it's going to be in me forever. <laughs> like, it's, we're all just moving about. <laughs> The materials sometimes will be in these lively bodies and sometimes they will be off on their own in the world. Like, mm. it's a, it's an odd um, thing to think about. But Yeah. Yeah. I like Sorry, that. Sorry, I've suddenly taken this down a very existential hole just to wrap things up. We, we do love a good bit of existentialism, though. I mean, who doesn't? I mean, yeah. OK, that's a stupid question. A lot of people don't like existentialism. Yeah. But <laughs> true, true. I am personally a big fan, so it's OK. Good, good, me too. Um, so yeah, should we call it a day there then? Yeah, I think that's good. I feel like nice. we had a nice little discussion. I hope, hope listeners yeah. have enjoyed it too. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like it's a very niche crowd we're kind of going for on this episode, but yeah, who knows? Anyone writing there? Um, FA two hundred four essay. Oh dear. Yeah. Um. I mean, obviously, by the time this is out, hopefully things will all be done. Yeah. I mean, I really hope things will be done. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. I don't know how it aligns with our actual deadline, but I'm hoping to have it done soonish. As soon ish, as possible, ish. basically. <laughs> the ish is emphasised. Anyway, yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for listening. Well done if you made it this far. Yeah. It's been a long one. It has. Impressive. Um, unless I've really edited it down. But <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be a long one. And hopefully see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Bye. Bye.